You are listening to the Pursuing Greater Opportunity with TechnoMile podcast, the podcast that empowers companies to find, pursue, win, and retain more business with the government with transformative cloud solutions. For more information on TechnoMile, visit www.technomile.com. And now your host, Helene Johnson, Chief Value Officer of TechnoMile. Welcome to today's podcast. I am so excited to introduce to you Mr. Jeremy Goucher, Vice President of Business Development at RMA Federal. Welcome, Jeremy. Thank you, Helene. Glad to be here. Great. So, Jeremy, let's start by you telling us a little bit about RMA Federal and your role at the company. Sure. RMA is really an audit firm at its core. Small business, 8A business, for those that aren't familiar with the the federal 8A, it's a small disadvantaged business. We've been in business since 2009. We have about 100 employees, maybe a little bit more. And we really focus on financial statement auditing, IT auditing, performance auditing, audit remediation, audit readiness. We even do consulting services around accounting support. So it's kind of everything that deals with policies, procedures, laws, reporting requirements for mostly federal agencies, pretty much entirely federal agencies. We have about 30, maybe 35 prime contracts and maybe a dozen subcontracts all in the uh, federal space. We've done some state work in the past. We're not opposed to state work, but our, our focus really has been in the federal space. So it's been a great company to work for. I've really enjoyed it. My role is, is the vice president of business development. So I oversee the pipeline, the strategy, the growth metrics, the opportunity assessments, capture plans, proposals, ultimately the win-loss and lessons learned. Excellent. Sounds like you're very busy. Indeed. Uh, indeed. We do <laughs> say on a on a busy year, about 70 to 75 proposals on a a slower year, it's in the 40 to 50 range. So we're a very high volume shop. We we move through them frequently and quickly. Great. Do you have your own proposal shop or do you, uh, how do you handle such a volume? Sure. We have really four people that are part of the proposal team, the core proposal team. Now it takes a company effort to get through 70 proposals in a year. But we have a research analyst, a proposal analyst, and uh, my boss, the chief growth officer, that is involved in virtually every proposal that goes out the door in one way or another. Our research analyst really helps us do the back-end research on the opportunities, the help with the capture plan. The proposal analyst helps a lot with the management process, with the quality control, with the compliance aspects of it. So it doesn't take a big team, actually. Once you've got your capabilities down, you really understand what your service offering is and what your past performance is. You've got good resumes. It doesn't take a large team to get through it. It does take a dedicated team, for sure. That's great. Um, so how about just segue to your background and role at RMA? So how did you get there? How did you become the vice president of business development? Um, isn't your background more on the auditing side? 
My background actually is in data analytics and cost analysis. So it's not only interesting that I end up being the vice president of business development, but the vice president of business development at an audit firm. In my career, I had never worked at an audit firm before, and I really didn't know anything about auditors or what they did. My background is in defense acquisition and specifically in cost data analysis, forecasting, quantitative risk management. But in the consulting field, especially in the federal government, proposals are always a part of it. For my very first job many years ago in this industry, I had to review proposals, write technical content. So I was very involved in business development. Every time I got promoted or got a new job, there was this increasing role in business development. It started with that review and writing technical, and then it was writing larger sections, and then it was coordinating writing teams, and then it was managing a whole proposal, and then it was organic growth, asking customers where we can increase scope, what more we could do for them. Then it was identifying opportunities coming from customers, getting those in a pipeline and capture. And over time, I just kept pushing myself more and more into business development. I really enjoyed it. Not to say I didn't love my customers and the cost analysis work I was doing. I did. In some ways, I miss it even today. But I really like business development. I really like corporate strategy. I really can get behind these things and put forth my best products and my best efforts. So RMA Associates, I was coming out of a role as a operations director at another consulting firm, uh, again, focused on DOD acquisition. And RMA offered me an opportunity to focus on the pipeline and proposal process. About a year in, they offered me the vice president role over the entirety of business development. And I, I jumped on it. I jumped on immediately. The opportunity to sort of step away from client delivery and just focus on corporate strategy, business development, and proposals, and and uh, haven't looked back not for a second. That is so cool. You know, I hear that a lot, and I went through it too. You know, I was an operations person and just fell in love with the field of sales and capture and strategy. Not so much proposals, but you know, there's something you have to live with. <laughs> um, Indeed. But, you know, so I definitely understand that. And I found that uh, fascinating when we met that you made that flip from cost analyst to, you know, BD and you're never going to look back. And I find that a lot with people. And I thought our audience might be interested in that because there's people out there that want to consider going into sales, but or BD and they just don't know how. So that's great. How did you all come up with your go-to-market strategy? A lot of companies that I have found and, and met with do similar things or don't necessarily have a generic or a very big focus on one area. And so it's difficult for them to come up with a market strategy. And I think you, you and I talked about this a bit about you know the different ways that people actually go to market. So can you kind of tell us how you and RMA have gone to market and how you differentiated yourself from others? Sure. We focus very much on our core capabilities, especially early on. Rezar owner, Resume Bob, was a very good auditor very early in his career. And when he started his own business, that was the focus. He didn't try to pursue financial management. He didn't try to pursue cybersecurity. He didn't try to pursue information assurance. He didn't try to expand broadly in every related category that a customer was offering. 
He was a good auditor. That's what he did. And we do that still today. If you're good at something, do that thing. That's the thing that will differentiate you. If you try to spread yourself too thin or try to claim that you're a great financial manager because you're a good financial statement auditor, you're very likely to find out you're not as good a financial manager as you thought you were. There are nuances to every job, and those nuances really are the discriminators. So we focus on that. We focus on the things that we're particularly good at. And yes, 15 years later, we do try to stretch a little bit. We do try to find new engagements, but we're very cautious. We're slow. We stick with customers that we know, that know us, that we have great relationships with. And as we push new themes, we focus very much on technology. We want to be able to do things more efficient. So one of the things I'd love to tell you about uh, on that front is if you are going to push something, make sure it's related and there's something unique about what you're pushing. For us, it's fraud. It's fraud detection. So we went from auditing and audit consulting and accounting now into fraud detection, and we've incorporated a lot of automation. So we're using artificial intelligence, we're using machine learning, and it ties very well to auditing because fraud is always a part of the audit process. So it's a nice segue into something a little bit different, a little bit new, but is grounded in our core offering. So I think that's core to your go-to-market strategy for any business. Start with what you know very well. And when you're ready to branch out, make sure it's very relatable and that you've got something unique to offer. And I think, in my opinion, that's a, that's a winning recipe every time. Instead of just kind of chasing targets and as the, as the environment changes, you, you switch to another, another area of interest because you want to follow the money. And you're, what you're saying is you really do need to stick with your core capabilities. And then as the needs change, in your case, fraud detection, fraud's big now. That is a, a natural progression for you all, and you're all able to do that. But um, I think I hear you that, you know, you kind of don't chase bunnies. You know, don't just, as I always say, don't throw spaghetti against your refrigerator to see if it sticks. <laughs> um, and if you do sure. that you're not going to be able to do the number of proposals that you do. You would have trouble doing that number of proposals if you were writing about things that you didn't necessarily do. That's right. And I'm reminded of something a colleague of mine told me way, way back in graduate school, a long time ago. I had a friend of mine, we were commiserating on our likelihood of making enough money out of college to repay student loans. And she told me one day, we were frustrated with each other, we were arguing. She said, if you're good at your job, don't you think the money's just going to come? And I, that has stuck with me 20 years later. Yeah, actually, if you're good at your job, that's right. If you're good at your job, the money's going to come. People are going to buy the services that are helping them succeed. And that's very true in the federal government. If you are helping the federal government succeed, they will continue to buy your services. So I like to say, don't chase the money, chase the capability. Find the customer that needs the capability you're offering where maybe they're not getting great service today or not using that capability at all. Enterprise risk management, there are plenty of agencies out there that are not yet doing full enterprise risk management, which is a very big part of the audit consulting side, helping stand up their risk management. And targeting those organizations and understanding what that service offering is in enterprise risk management is very likely to be more successful than adjusting your capabilities to a company that is buying something that maybe is exactly what you do. 
and let me pull that thread one more time further. If you you think the right strategy to market your capability, you have to assume there's a company already doing that other thing very well. And that's their capability. And they're going to be marketing. And that's who you have to be. So why go up against somebody that is very, very good at something and you're okay at something? Instead, be the company that's very, very good that someone else has to go up against. Right. And if you don't have the past performance yourself, and you have to team with somebody that has the past performance or buy a company that does that capability, you know, that's tough. That's a tough strategy to do is to always need to team with people and you only do this little niche versus if you stay focused on your core capabilities, your go-to-market strategy is so much stronger, right? I agree with that. I think that's exactly right. And also, what about risks? I think that what we always look at when we do capture is the risk of winning, the risks of bidding, the risks of losing. So I'm assuming that do you all take risk into perspective when you decide what to go after? Absolutely. I'm a big fan of net present value. I'm an economist by training out of school and cost forecasting, data analytics. I lean very much on net present value. So I like to calculate probability of win. I know a lot of people in the industry have many different probability calculators they use. We, of course, have, we actually have three. We don't use them all every time, but we like to use at least two to get boundaries, sort of a high and a low, be able to average it out. So then we have a value assessment opportunity. We just do the math. Is it based on the revenue we think we'll get uh, and the net present value of the profit? And how much is going to cost us to submit the bid, the opportunity cost of bidding, other things. So absolutely, risk matters. I don't really love to bid things that have very, very low uh, probability of winning. Uh, certainly, if it's less than 15%, I'm, I'm not a big fan. But at RMA, we do take some risks. We're not afraid to bid. We've got a very good proposal shop. We can turn out proposals relatively efficiently. So we certainly are not looking for a 30 to 40 to 50% probability of win every time. We will take some calculated risks, and sometimes you have to. It's so strange. You just never know. We won at DPA not long ago simply because I like to think our proposal was amazing. And it was good, and we did write a good proposal, and we got great reviews. But it turns out there was only one other bidder, and they were disqualified. Mm, so yeah. it, you just you don't know what's going to happen. And exactly. Okay, so speaking of that, you win some, you lose some. It's great you won a DPA, but I have a feeling you may have lost maybe one or two of those 70. So, <laughs> so when you do lose, and even when you win, I'm assuming that you document your lessons learned so that you maybe don't go out, don't do the same thing next time that didn't work last time. Um, do you do a lot of documentation of lessons learned? We do. We do a lot of documentation in general, a lot of documentation. And this is really where we love Technomile. Technomile has all the fields we want to capture information. You know, in my mind, Technomile is a database. It just houses information. And anytime you have a database with primary fields, primary keys, or primary fields, whatever verb you like, you can relate that data. You can run a report and you can relate that data. So lessons learned is, of course, one of those fields. And we do. We collect lessons learned on nearly every proposal we submit. We store them in the lessons learned field. But we don't look at them right away. We look at them quarterly. I don't want to be a pinball bouncing back and forth between this constant 
flow of criticism, positive and negative criticism. We bucket it all on about a quarterly basis. And we go through and look at things that are most frequent or most impactful. And that's how we make adjustments. I don't want to wait six or nine months to implement something. But I don't want to implement something the first time a customer says, well, you could have done this differently. Because remember, while I lost that bid, I won 10 other bids doing that. So you never really know what's going on in that source selection room and what kind of conversations are happening. So we're very cautious and careful about the lessons learned process. And like I say, it's about quarterly that we go through them. What about the uh, the whole idea of understanding who your customer is? Do you do any kind of reporting on your customer analysis or just to know who you should be bidding to and who you shouldn't be bidding to? Absolutely. I spend 50% of the time that I spend in Technomile in the reporting module. I absolutely love it. I will put together all kinds of reports very quickly. I want to know with what customers were winning, with what, what customers were losing, what contract vehicles were using to win or lose, dollar sizes, set-asides, level of effort, scope of work. I want to go back and bucket all of these things to try to determine what is influencing our win rate and where we would like to be winning, but we're not. It's not just about keep doing the things that make you win because the market is going to evolve. And you do, even though I love you know, focusing on those things that we're very good at, I also know the market is going to evolve and we do have to keep up. So if there's an area where we've done the market assessment, we know it's very important but we're not winning. We want to go back and really study those and understand why we're not winning in that area so we can make those adjustments. So I probably even in this moment have 30 active public and private reports that are canned and create new ones every couple of weeks. Anytime I get this idea in my head that I just want to know how one variable relates to another, I'll just go run a report. I'll dump it into Excel if I need to do some analysis or if it's just simple math, then I can program the math right into the reporting function. And we look at those reports. We try to do it four times a year. I think this year we're only going to do it three times. We skipped the first quarter. But we go back and we look at how we're doing year over year. We look at how we're doing from one quarter to the next. And we look at the small pieces that we think are going to influence tomorrow. Fantastic. What about marketing? I, I did want to touch on marketing. Do you, as an 8A, do you do much marketing? And if you do, how do you do the marketing? We do a lot of marketing. We think marketing is very, very important. We attend conferences. We go talk to our customers. We respond to RFIs. We really believe in the RFI process, the request for information process within the federal government as a means both to market us and learn more about opportunities and show our interests. So we rely on that a lot. And of course, word of mouth, friends of friends and colleagues at different companies is very important. So I don't think you can be successful in the federal space without some kind of a marketing strategy or a marketing plan. I think it's really important that you understand what you're trying to convey to your customers and that you get out there and say it before you start writing a proposal. I don't want the proposal to be the first time the customer learns anything about RNA. I'd like them to know who we are long before we put pen to paper on the proposal. That's smart. Very smart. Okay, boy, this has been amazing. I have learned so much. And uh, when we first met, I enjoyed our conversation. And, and I think everybody that's listening to this is really going to enjoy it. 
learn a lot, see how they can grow their own careers. It toward business development and also just understand how a company like your size grows and comes up with a strategy and actually implements the strategy. So I just want to thank you so much for um, talking to us today. And um, I look forward to future discussions. Thank you, Elaine. I've enjoyed it as well. I hope that we can come back and talk again, maybe in a, a year or two and see how both of our firms have changed and evolved and see what's changed from this first conversation. So, well, thank you so much for giving me a chance to speak and to talk a little bit about RMA. And I look forward to the next time we get to talk. Thank you. And I look forward to talking to everyone for the next time as well. You have been listening to Pursuing Greater Opportunity with Technomile. From go-to markets to contract closeout, Technomile provides transformative cloud solutions that empower companies to find, pursue, win, and retain more business with the government. For more information, visit technomile.com.